Welcome to episode 42 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. Focus on your audience and use stories. That is the key advice from my guest, Rob Lauber. Rob is a career learning and development executive for brands such as McDonald's, Yum, and Singular Wireless. He is also the founder and CEO of XLO Global, where he helps learning teams drive more business value. In this episode, we talk about the importance of focusing on your audience, how to use stories to convey your message, and being confident that you don't know something. I hope you enjoy. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Really looking forward to our conversation. Scott, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Before we jump too deep into this, Rob, why don't you maybe tell the listeners a little bit about you, your career journey, and you know, the exciting stuff that you are working on today? Yeah. So I, um, I'm i a 30-year veteran in learning and development, so 30 plus. I think this is actually year 33 now. And I spent most of my career building and running learning and development organizations and uh, companies you'd recognize. Like most recently, I retired from McDonald's in 2020. I was a chief learning officer there. Before that, I was a chief learning officer at um, Yum Brands, which is KFC, Pizza, and Taco Bell. Before that, uh, Singular Wireless helped start that up and then uh, close that down as AT&T uh, ingested it back into the Bell system. And, you know, I've been around all kinds of learning and development, particularly emphasis on frontline and um, those types of things based on the nature of those businesses. And I retired in 2020, and I've been doing work on two fronts, really, working with startups, trying to help the supplier community connect better into enterprises and people like I used to be um, and and spend their time more wisely in terms of trying to sell into organizations. And then uh, secondly, I still do quite a bit of consulting in organizations, helping them figure out learning strategy. There's been a lot of uh, disruption over the last couple of years, and people are definitely trying to figure that one out. Um, and as the economy shifts and changes, um, you know, that change seems to be constant these days. Exactly. I think the old saying goes, the only thing that is constant is the change. So if you think right. about you know, the seismic shifts that we had for the past three years, really with work, and a big part of that is how do you develop and train your employees? And a really big part of that, the frontline employees during that time of change. And then now really looking at what's going on with the global economy, what will be next for for organizations and their development and attracting and retaining employees. So very exciting time to be in this space. And just as I look through your background and your resume, you really just the who's who of who you'd want to work for. And with the McDonald's and the Yum Brands, I'm glad I had launched because my stomach would be rumbling <laughs> right now just thinking about that. But so thank you for sharing a little bit about the background for context and I would think, Rob, throughout that journey, you've had the opportunity to hear from some amazing and inspirational communicators. So if you think about that, or if you hear this term, somebody is a great communicator, or they're an inspiring communicator, what's the vision that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think it's people that um, know how to connect to their audience, right? So, um, you know, so there's <laughs> the trick with communications, of course, is always, you know, is what the sender intent, what the receiver hears. And I think that, um, you know, the best communicators really know how to do that in a variety of different ways. 
um, by one understanding probably the audience and the sentiment, particularly of the audience that they're they're trying to speak to. Uh, I think two, um, you know, so they demonstrate some empathy. I think two, depending on the mode that they do that in, they tend to be good storytellers as well, right? Uh, although in an email, a storytelling might, you know, uh, might drown people out because it's too much text. But mm-hmm. in a physical presence, in a physical or virtual presence, I think storytelling is super important and being able to do that really well is is super important. So I think it's that connection um, and how that comes through in terms of like empathy, really understanding. And then second, um, being able to, you know, storytell in a way that people can connect and that you can get your point across. I really appreciate that you led with the audience, really focusing in on trying to make that connection with the audience. I think that's where a lot of people stumble in their communications. They go into it, whether it is an email or keynote presentation, or maybe a presentation they have to give to their board or their team. A lot of times they're going into it with their mindset. What's this information that I have to get out? What's my intent? What are my goals? And they don't spend enough time or sometimes any time really thinking about that audience and how to best tailor the message to the audience. As I'm sure if you're delivering a presentation or delivering a message to the C-suite at a Fortune 500 organization, much different than going to a keynote at a big industry conference and then different to communicating something at you know an organization that has tens or hundreds of thousands of frontline employee, employees. So really thinking about that audience is key. And then, yeah, as you're able to bring in stories, they're so powerful. They just really help to connect with people. And I think connect sometimes complex and disparate information. If you can bring it together with the story, that's typically where the magic happens. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and, and, you know, storytelling can sound intimidating to people that aren't necessarily particularly feel that they're particularly skilled at it, but really it's, it can be as simple as just providing examples, right? Mm -hmm. Examples that people can relate to, particularly as you're trying to tie complex ideas together uh, and get people to take action, for example, um, you know, uh, simple examples really work well in, in showing people what it looks like when it's in action or what it is that, you know, what your point is that you're trying to get across what it looks like when, when it's happening. That's a key point when you talk about stories is sometimes people can be intimidated by that. Oftentimes there's two perceptions of storytelling. One is that somebody is just indeed a great storyteller. You really like listening to their stories if they're talking about their life or a trip that they went on. They really know how to pull the audience in. But the other aspect of that that I think is really more relevant to the corporate workplace is how do you use examples? How do you use those experiences to try and pull people together to get a good understanding? And sometimes it's a metaphor an analogy or a true example where, hey, I was working with this team and we did X, Y, and Z. Here's why I think that can work over here. So I think really looking at storytelling from both perspectives is important. Yeah. And I think that that concept of, you know, uh, relatability in that story or that example becomes critical, right? Because if you're disconnected from that audience, and I think to your earlier comment, uh, it's easy for everyone to figure out their intent. It's really hard to figure out how everyone's going to receive it. And so I think thinking about that other side and how it is going to be received is critical. And so thinking even about the story you're going to tell or the example you're going to use uh, and making sure that people can really relate to it mm-hmm. um, is super important. And I think that's to your point of where, you know, if you're talking to people in restaurants or you're talking to a board of directors, 
um, you know, the relatability construct is completely different. It all goes back to the audience, right? Understand the audience, what's important to them, what's likely to connect to them. That's powerful. Thank you, Rob. Sure. Rob, with the work that you're doing today and really throughout your career, what are you seeing? And I'm sure it's changed quite a bit over the past three years, but really what are some of those skills, particularly the soft skills that are really important in the workplace today that that companies are either doing very well with and they're succeeding, or perhaps there's that gap that they're trying to figure out for their employees? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You know, the, um, like the past few years, I think the, the digital communication space has really taken off as being sort of a, a method, even the way we're doing this today, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I think, I think that a couple of things are happening that are, that are, um, shifting probably the way people need to think about how they communicate. One is the availability of video is much more sort of ubiquitous, right? So being able to do these things where you and I are in completely different places and can completely different spaces, but we can have a great conversation, I think are, are, are super important and thinking about that in a construct of a face-to-face conversation. I think secondly, um, you know, the proliferation now of internal in, uh, instant messaging tools and group collaboration platforms and, uh, you know, and of course, email, um, you know, means you have to be pretty versatile in your way and and how you think about communicating. Because in those more, um, let's say, just straight text-based, you know, formats, uh, you have to be super clear on making sure that people understand your intention, right? Uh, All the nonverbal, all the nonverbals go away, right? So, you know, uh, a coaching comment might not seem like a coaching comment might might seem like you're being chastised um you know and so i think being super clear on intent of what you're trying to say on those platforms becomes really important uh, and i think also being um you know as a receiver i think being open minded to uh the intent as well is super important so how do you always trust in positive intentions of the people that you might be receiving messaging from uh, particularly if it's feedback um, and then how do you how do you think about asking, um, you know, for more clarity? Right. And even even if you're the communicator and people are asking you then questions, ask, you know, asking for clarity and clarification around what it is that they're thinking or what it is that they're hearing from you is probably super important in that construct. Right. I think the video the video piece um, is probably easier because people can see facial expressions and mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, tone of voice and those kind of things, I think, are are still like critically important, but probably more natural for most of us. A lot of great stuff there to to, to unpack. And you know, if I think about the text base, so email, text messages, it's it's amazing what a simple exclamation point can perhaps completely change how the receiver interprets that message. Or just putting a smiley face emoji in there for those people that like to use emojis or too many. We've all heard the store stories before of people typing in all caps or getting a message and being irate when they read it and then responding and being, oh, I think I misread that or misinterpreted the intent. So I love what you said there from the receiver's perspective. It's important to go in that with, I think you said like kind of an open mind and really looking at things through the best light possible, the, the positive light first, and then if need be, go back and ask for that clarification rather than being upset and shutting down. Hey, just what, what, can you help me a little bit more? What did you mean by that? Can you provide me some additional context is 
absolutely huge. And I think it would like have saved a lot of careers if people would do that. And what I've found so interesting over the, the past few years with video is just the, the acceleration of the, the acceleration of people being willing to do business without having met face-to-face. You know, three years ago, it was it was kind of getting there. Five years ago, still people were wanting to sit down with you, meet with you first, typically face-to-face before you do some sort of partnership or relationship or a sale or something like that. But now with you know everything over the past several years, it's really accelerated that. And I don't see us going back fully that way. The whole hybrid work thing aside, just from doing business with organizations fundamentally has changed. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. You know, it's interesting. These platforms are 25 years old. So, you know, the the things, uh, Zoom particularly is not 25 years old, but this ability to do what we're doing right here is uh, started in the late 90s. And, you know, so it's not like it just suddenly appeared in the pandemic and became a way of business. To your point, I think it just became more mainstream and more acceptable as a way to do it. But I'll give you a good example of... um, of uh, how you communicate with emojis or not or whatever, I, you know. I asked my one of my kids a question and and they responded back and they gave me what I needed and I replied back thanks with the period, and I got a ton of feedback from my kids that that's a passive aggressive response, and yeah. I was like what what are you talking about? Right, like, my intent was like thank you, you answered my question, and so um, you know so asking for more information about like what do what are you talking about? How does that show up? you know, what, you know, how am I coming across passive aggressive in this way? And they're like, well, actually the period on the end. Right. And it's just things I didn't really, something I'd never think of. I'm like, well, I'm grammatically correct. And they're like, no, actually you're passive aggressive. And so um, again, sort of intent and reception and how, you know, the, the people on the other end receiving that message, look at it completely differently, maybe than you do. Uh, and just really, I think, Getting that feedback was great because I was like, thanks. What do I need to do to change? Teach the old man. Um, and then, you know, second, it's just it's just a good reminder, too, that you don't necessarily know what's how it's being received on the other end. Something as simple as a thanks. Yeah, I have a 10 year old, a 13 year old. So I am routinely getting schooled on on the technology and the the communication channels and things like that. Then you layer that into the workforce where now this multi-generational workforce where so many people communicate in different ways, have preferred methods of communications, where somebody's going to take that thanks period as passive aggressive. Somebody's not going to think anything of it. I know I do that all the time. For me, yeah. it's like a little pet. I always put the period in, but yeah, it is being aware. Gosh, always goes back to this idea of audience, understanding your audience and knowing who you're sending it to and starting to think about how will this be received? What might be some of the pushback? What might be some of the questions or concerns from sending this message? Yeah. And I can think about some of the, you know, and in, in, across my career, uh, there've always been sort of trusted people on my team that I've been able to take messages and preview them with them and ask them for commentary. Like, so how can I improve this? What's not clear um, you know, what else, you know, what else should I be thinking about? You know, what are the five questions people might have from what I'm about to say? Uh, the, you know, those those kind of things in terms of, you know, so in order to be maybe more concise, more thorough and more relatable, um, I think that, you know, that I put that all in the sphere of sort of empathy, but I think that that's all super important. And I would say one last thing that I would piggyback on for people to think about 
with the audience is also what's going on at your organization during the time that you're sending this. So if things are calm, things are stable, steady, and you're maybe you send out a calendar invite with a you know, quick team update, people might not think much about that. But if you're going through a reorg or there's, you know, maybe there's recently been layoffs or there's you know, challenges going on within your company and you send out something very short without a whole lot of details, without the information, without enough communication, people are going to fill in the blanks on their own. So always be mindful as when you're communicating with people, especially during times of change or trying times at the organization, really this importance to, to over-communicate. And at some time you might break norms of how maybe you would send out a calendar invite or send out an email, just kind of always think about how will this be received? And I've had that in my career before where there was lots of change going on, lots of restructure, lots of reorgs. And we would get this, you know, all department calendar invite for the next day that says couple of updates. And everyone just is like, immediately starts thinking what's going on, what's going to happen? Are they doing another change? So just kind of take the time to think, how will this be received? No, I think that's right. You lose a day of productivity in those situations, right? Yeah. Just because everybody's worried about what's going to be. And I think that's where, um, you know, providing context becomes really important. So for example, if you're going to communicate that you want to do a team update the next day, that, and it's not about maybe some pending activity that's going on in the business or the environment that feels like some pending activities going on, maybe you can uh, include a few bullet points which describe exactly what it is that you want to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, how are, we, how are we going to work going forward? Uh, here's three projects that are uh, stymieing us at the moment, and what do we need to do to turn them around? You know, things that sort of take that uncertainty off the table um, become super important that way as well, I think. Right, because the extra 30 seconds maybe that it takes you to write that context could save, depending on the size of your team and organization, hundreds if not thousands of hours of lost productivity because people are nervous and calling each other and sending Slack messages trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And that's the last thing you probably need in situations like that. Because usually your business is being challenged and you need greater productivity, not less. So. Absolutely. Rob, as you think of or think through your career journey, if you had to point to one or maybe two key communication skills that have really helped you kind of get to the, the, the pinnacle of your industry and continue on now with the consulting work that you're doing, what would you say those, those skills would be? Uh, you know, it's a good question. I think... Um, Two things. Uh, here's what people would say, maybe, is a better way as opposed to what I would say. I think that um, I have a fairly direct communication styles, and that and that might sound negative, but I, but direct in the context of I try to be concise and and as clear as I possibly can um, in my in my communications. So um, you know, trying to keep the message simple, trying to keep it direct, trying to, again make sure it's relatable. Um, casual when it needs to be, those kind of things, I think is one. Um, and then the second one is, is um, you know, trying to come across confidently. So, um, and, and sometimes that confidence might even be expressed in the way of, here's things I don't understand that I need to learn more about, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm confident that I don't know something, Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'm confident that I don't understand and I'm confident that I need your help to understand it, you know, from a communications perspective. So I think that um, those two would probably be the the two 
that I would say I'm best known for in terms of, of, of you know, communication style, I would say, and or um, things you would expect to get from me, um, you know, as a communicator in the organization. And I think, and I think there's, you know, there's, uh, there's two edged swords to both of those. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes being, you know, uh, concise and direct uh, can put people off. And so you need to be sensitive to yeah. that in terms of, uh, of um, how direct and or sometimes in the spirit of trying to be concise and direct, you uh, leave out context. Right. And so Absolutely. those are always those have always been watch outs for me in terms of like, I want to be as direct and as short as I can. But at the same time, I want to make sure that it's not misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Right. And that and that, that, you know, the context for why I'm why I'm presenting something or what I'm talking about or what the point I'm trying to get across is clear. So just so you know, I think I'm going to steal what you did there when you said the question I asked was, what would you say? And then you turned it to you. Know, what would other people say about you? I really like that perspective. I think I'm going to take that moving forward for future guests. But, yeah, this idea of of conciseness and and confidence, really powerful because people are busy. There's a lot going on. Folks don't have uh, time all day, every day for soapboxes, as well as just reading lengthy, lengthy emails that could have been handled a lot more efficiently. And with the confidence, that's so great that you mentioned confident that I don't know something, right? You're willing to go out there and ask that sometimes I would think a lot of times people would think of that as being a weakness. For me, that is a great show of strength and confidence that one, you are, you're secure that you can do that. But it's for me, it's just a great leadership strategy to model for your teams, because the last thing that I want is my teams going out into the market in front of clients, doing whatever and winging it and guessing because they were afraid to ask that question. So as a leader, really showing that and modeling that, that if there is something you don't know enough about or you want to learn more about this or going into a new area, it's a huge thing to, to really be aware of and to work on if you're leading people and leading organizations, being willing to say, you know, I don't know, or I knew I want to learn more about that. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, that's sort of a, you know, not a leadership discussion here, but I think that's also part of being, you know, humble about the role that you're in. Mm-hmm. And as leaders, the farther up you get in the organization, sometimes the farther you get from the reality of what's actually happening <laughs> and recognizing yeah. that is a super important leadership skill. Right. Because the last yep. thing you want to do is make a decision in a vacuum or, again, without actually understanding. So, yeah, I think that communication piece becomes really important. I think that the second thing that it does, too, is also sets the tone for your team that it's OK to not have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that we need to learn from each other. And part of what makes the team work really well is somebody's got to lead it. OK, that's me. I get the privilege of that. But at the same time, uh, I'm not the guy necessarily with all the expert answers. Yeah. Right. So and and there are people with great ideas on the team and those should be tapped, sought out, and heard um, as much as possible. Yeah, creating that that strong team culture will pay dividends in the long run where you have people that you can learn from. They're open and willing to learn and grow. It, it just kind of creates that flywheel effect, so to speak, where it just continues to to pay off. That's right. So we have this this concise, confident style, who throughout your career or your life, Rob, really helped you to perhaps develop that style? Maybe who was somebody that influenced your communication style? And have you taken some things from folks and maybe tweaked a little bit to make your own? 
Yeah, you know, uh, it's a good question around who. I, I think there's, um, I've had the good fortune of being, you know, in learning and development, I've always been closely aligned with the communications team. So I, I, would th- I would think I would label it to a group of people more than an individual person. But I think that uh, there's been a group of people, um, you know, starting way back in the 90s when I first became a director in Bell South days, um, that have been uh, really savvy experts on communication and have helped me in my communication skill, my communication style, my communications approach. Um, again, by going out and seeking feedback from them ahead of my actual communication, particularly on things that are super important, like uh, where I'm trying to persuade somebody or whether I'm trying to communicate difficult news or whatever it might be, uh, or even, you know, even recognition, positive news. I think the, um, you know, the, there's been good resources in the communications team that have been willing to just drop what they're doing and spend five or 10 minutes with me on just browse this and give me a couple of pointers on what I'm seeing. Um, and I think that, that, that they're typically underestimated in an organization and they're typically uh, sort of boxed in a corner in an organization, mm-hmm. except for maybe, you know, you see them in investor relations, right? Where it's more high stakes communications. But I think that um, those internal communications teams are really under leveraged in organizations as resources to help you as an individual be much more effective, right? Because they're, they, they're yeah. studied in the craft and um, you know, and I, and I can remember having a conversation with somebody and they were like, um, let's just go back to what your intent is here. <laughs> right. And it, they were a nice way of saying, I'm confused by what you're trying to say. <laughs> I think, you know, in retrospect, but it was like, let's just go back to what your intent was. And they deconstructed what I was saying in my message back to what my intention was and it ended up being completely different and far more effective at the end uh, than it needed to be. And that was literally 20 or 30 minute exercise over a lunch, right? Those kind of things. So I think that, the, that um, you know, leaders and even individuals that are really, you know, in some high stakes communications are really important to them. Communications um, opportunities should, should seek those people out as, as people they should build relationships with that can help them actually become more effective. Yes. Shout out to the the corporate communications teams. They are a lot of times the unsung heroes at organizations, especially bigger companies with the work that they do to really put effective messaging out both internally and externally. And you know, as I think about that, for me, one of the things that I always share, and I talk a, a lot about this with my kids, one of the best ways to really improve your communication skills is on is through reading. So if you're in a big organization, maybe you're not at the position where you're interacting with those communications teams or you're able to get with them to have them review something, read everything that comes out from your company. If you work at a big 10, 20, 100,000 employee company, you're routinely getting things in your inbox internally from your company. Read those things because it helps to not only one grammatically strong messaging, but helps to really understand how do I get my message across in a concise way, in a written format that comes across with the tone, ideally that we're, we're trying to achieve with this message. And if you don't work for a big organization, you, you're, you have small company, there's not a big comms team, read the things that you get from the organizations that you buy from. They're constantly sending out updates and messaging, read through them. It'll absolutely help take your communication skills, both written and I believe verbal 
to the next level. Yeah, I think a good exercise too is um, I think about press releases as a, as a good example of like, if I don't work in a big company, I can still go out and read anybody's press release. I bet if you pulled 20 press releases and, you know, sort of look at the construction of the message more than maybe what the words are saying, but mm -hmm. look at how it's constructed, you could probably pull away a really good template that you could reuse yourself in almost any situation, right? And so All there's right. plenty of resources out there um, to be able to take advantage of it if you really need to or want to own it, right? Again, you got to put the effort in for sure. Spot on. Rob, as we're wrapping up here, I want to be respectful of time. What advice would you have for somebody, whether they're fresh out of school, a budding entrepreneur looking to start their own business or a professional that's mid-career and just ready to make a pivot, make a change? What advice would you have to them around the importance of developing strong communication skills. Yeah, I think it's funny because um, I think that there's a spectrum and, and you can put those audiences in different parts of the spectrum. So I think about people coming out of school like my kids and I'm like, never underestimate the importance of face-to-face -face and verbal communications. So while you're texting away, sometimes it's actually better if you pick up the phone and actually make a voice call and you can be far more efficient, right? So <laughs> I think about, right, you're laughing because you see the same thing I do. Yes. But I think that I think that um, you can't underestimate the importance of that as a skill and as a, as a, as a dimension of your communications that you need to be, you know, adept at. Mm -hmm. Right. Because your your world is never going to be just text messaging. Right. Or instant messaging. You're, you're going to have to stand in front of people and tell a story and persuade and have a conversation. Um, and you're going to need to be successful in order, you know, in order to be successful, you need to be successful at doing that. So I think about that. And then I think, you know, the other spectrum of it is, um, you know, um, which has been a challenge for me is, you know, across the years has been how do you adapt to all these things digital that are coming down the pike, right? So how do I build my skill at, uh, you know, blogging or even, you know, being able to write a good post or, mm -hmm. um, you know, or thinking about that. So a lot of startups that, that I work with, we talk about sort of how do you leverage, say, LinkedIn as your communication channel to the outside world to help you build customers? And, you know, um, not as easy a skill as people might think. Uh, to do that. And, you know, depending on your age, your orientation, your ex life experiences, even your cultural backgrounds, you know, those are things that people need to embrace and work on and and continually hone to get better. So I, I think across the spectrum, I'd say those two things, right? You have to be good at mm -hmm. both the, the digital side of things. And now, you know, you have to be good at the face-to-face -face things as well, if you overall really want to be known as a, you know, and renowned as an effective communicator. That's a fantastic perspective. Never really thought about it that way on, on the spectrum. As I think about through my personal experience, you know, on the one end with the digital component, you know, for the longest time, I had kind of kept social things like Instagram and TikTok at an arm's length, especially from the business perspective. But you know, one of the goals for this year was to really start to learn more about how we can use it, how we can leverage that, leverage it. And I will say just in the time over the past couple of years, how I felt so out of the loop and somewhat overwhelmed getting into these platforms, trying to figure out how to use them. So I think it's always good to kind of keep your finger on the pulse as to what's going on from the technology and the digital side and absolutely love it on that face-to-face -face side. So with 
my kids, we've always been big proponents. And I talk about this a lot. Like if we go out to eat, whether it's at McDonald's or a sit down restaurant, you're going to order your meal. You're going to talk to the, the waiter, the waitress, you're going to order. <laughs> when we go to the doctor's office, you're going to answer the questions. You're going to talk to them. These are great skills, fantastic ways to get in reps and not only reps of communication, but communicating with somebody where maybe you feel that they're in a, a higher up position than you or something like that. So it's just great skills. I, I really encourage folks take these opportunities because a lot of times the kids, they don't have that much. Like I said, they're buried in their phones or doing their, their TikToks and their texting and their Snapchats. Get them those opportunities inside in school and outside of school to get some practicing with face-to-face communication. Yeah, I think that's right. And it can't be underestimated because I think it is, um, you know, it is a shortcoming right now coming out. I, I know I see it in, um, you know, uh, I see it sometimes in my kids in school and their ability to engage a teacher or whatever they prefer to do it via email or text. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why don't you actually go to the office and sit down and talk to them? And, <laughs> and, and ironically, when they do, they usually get a much better outcome, yep. right? Because they start to build a relationship and that relationship, you know, builds caring and empathy. It's much easier. Um, and, you know, your ability to influence gets much greater. So, yeah, it is very, it is very interesting. That's why I think of it as a spectrum, because I think to be really effective, um, you know, depending on what your outcome is that you're going for, you have to be good at all of it. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not okay to just be good at one of it, one dimension of it. Couldn't agree more. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Really, really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Scott, thank you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Rob Lauber. Rob's take on confidence and not knowing something is so important. By being willing to ask for help, not making decisions in a vacuum, and modeling the skill of saying, I'm not sure on that. Can I get back to you? You create an environment where your teams feel safe doing the same thing and can avoid the pitfalls of just winging it. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can continue to learn from my guests with each new episode. And if you have found value in the show, leaving us a rating or review would be appreciated. Thanks and have a great day.